0: Second service in the house. How's everybody doing today? You have your coffee yet? You ready to roll? Amen. You sound good, man. I'm excited. Uh, I uh, want to just say welcome. And if you're visiting with us, um, I just want to say thank you for joining us. Church, can we welcome all those that are visiting with us today? I met some of you before the service. So thankful to have you, and I pray that God blesses you and encourages you today, and uh, just really quick, I want to let you know that um, in this coming Sunday, I'm starting a, a new series on the Holy Spirit, and so this is uh, a time for you to invite your friends or your neighbors, and uh, man, if you, if, if you got some... Friends that grew up maybe in the traditional church or maybe the crazy Pentecostal church. I think it's going to be be good for everybody. And so invite your friends. It's all kicking off this coming Sunday. Uh, We're going to spend about six weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. Are you all ready for that? I don't think y'all are. Uh, we are uh, today, as you're turning to Exodus chapter 33, uh, we're gonna finish our vision series. We're gonna finish it up today, and um, I hope it blessed you, and in, in, in even in the sense of helping you know the direction that we're aiming for. Um, remember I said that we, we really need to have clear aim, because action without aim just leads to frustration and exhaustion, and so we wanna have clear aim. We wanna know where we're going, wanna know who we are, and what we're asking God to accomplish, and uh, I believe we're going to run and not grow faint. Come on, somebody, and, uh, and so the, the vision series, we, we uh, kind of last week, I, I finished the actual vision part of it, and uh, if you remember, I said this, we exist to see Penelope and beyond, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. I need you to know that. This is our vision. This is what we do. This is what we're aiming at. We want to see people uh, saved. We want to see people set free. We want them to discover the gifts that the Holy Spirit has placed inside of them and then to be activated in the body of Christ. That's it. Amen? All right. Well, today we're going to cover our core values. And I just thought, man, this... You know, I could have not taken a Sunday uh, to talk to you about our core values, but I thought it is very, very important, especially during this series of really kind of unfolding, and unpacking really who we are and where we're going, you need to know what the core values of this church are. And we need to start before we dive into them, because there are four of them. We need to start by kind of explaining what are core values and why it's important for you to know. Here's number one about core values. Uh, Core values guide our actions. They are are guiding principles that, that direct our actions. Because you will respond differently towards something based upon the value that you place on it. Let me illustrate this. My son, Caleb, who is in here right now, uh, last night we got home from, from uh, kind of a concert that he had at his school, and uh, he saw a, a box on the front porch. I mean, you know, you get a little bit excited when you see a box on the front porch. And especially when you're not expecting the box just yet. And so uh, he, he grabs the box off the front porch, comes in, and uh, opens up uh, this brand new pair of Stephen Curry shoes that he is sporting for everybody in all the world to see as we speak in this very moment. Now, here's why I'm bringing up this story. Because uh, we got here early this morning, he got out of the car, and I, I noticed him do something. As he got out of the car, his eyes were looking around. And I was like, what what is he doing? And he's walking. And as he stepped over the curb and he began to look at the grass next to him, almost scoffing at the grass, he turned to me and he said, Dad, I just want you to know that these shoes will never know the feeling of grass. (laughs) True story. Him and his friend Isaiah, who's also uh, in the front row, they've got these shoes that that. Listen, let me put it this way. Sometimes uh, my wife will take them to the gym, and and they will not wear these shoes to the gym. They wait until they get onto the court, and then they unlace their number twos, <laughs> and they put on the number ones. And then when when basketball is over, you would think, let's go out to the car. Ah, right, time out. Gotta take my shoes off. This is real, this is real life. He won't wear them to school. It's like, no, how no, what, that's, just, that's a terrible idea, why? Because they have placed a certain value on these shoes and it is now dictating and directing their actions. So you see the importance of, of what you value because what you value directs how you respond and how you act. In other words, you can't really praise what you don't prize. Right, You can't really praise something that you don't prize. Worship is all about value exchange. It's all about me acknowledging and giving worth to the value that God is. But if your value of God is low, your expression will be low and your worship will be low and your actions will not, will not properly demonstrate the value that is really uh, who God is. It's very important to understand how values direct, they direct our actions. Let me say it this way. Right values result in right actions. So let me say it this way. No matter how big we get, No matter what God does here, no matter if we're smaller or bigger or new building, or it does not matter. Things around us can change, but what we value and what's directing who we are should never change. This is very important because a lot of either, you know, even businesses and churches, as blessing comes and increase comes, you've got to make adjustments. And sometimes people make adjustments to who they are to facilitate the change around them. And we can never do that. We have to stay who we are no matter what happens around us. So these core values guide us. They guide us. It's very important. Not only do they guide our actions, but they create culture. They create culture. Let me explain that. You may not, maybe the first time you came into this church, you may not have remembered the three points to my sermon, and you may not have been able to repeat the text that I preached from, but you will remember how you felt when you came here. That is culture. Why is that important? See, some of you have told me, man, even when I walked through the door, like I felt the presence of God before I even came into the word. You know why? Because we value the presence of God here. We value it. And if you were greeted with a smile it, week after week, that's because those are things that we value. So they, So values actually create culture. So what I wanna do in the next few moments is I want to, Uh, just unpack our four core values. And we have many values, right? There are many, more than four, but there are only four core, core values that will guide and direct our actions. And remember, values are not vision. Okay, we gotta just understand this, it's very important. So here's number one, are you ready for number one? Exodus 33 and verse 14, and our number one core value is that here at Generation Church, we pursue God. And when we say pursue God, what we mean is we value presence over performance. Presence over performance. And that's important for you to know. Because there's going to be times, and we hear things said. Well, why do you do things this way, and why don't you do things this way? And and you know, you just need to know that that we here are are a people who really value the presence of God. And in Exodus chapter 33, if you'll go there with me, in verse 14, Moses is actually having this conversation with God. And uh, God says, hey, yeah, my presence will go with you, Moses, and I'm going to give you rest. And then Moses said back to God, and this is our prayer as well as a church. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? I want you to hear this part. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. What does that mean? That means that we don't want to just be an encouraging performance for you. And if I'm honest, as talented as our people are, you could probably go to another place and find better performances. And, and, that's, and that's not our focus here. But what will set us apart is when you come in here, and yes, there are things done well, but the presence of God is here. And that alone is what makes us distinct from, from any person or any other thing out there. It's like, whoa, there's something different here. And it's his presence It's his presence. Listen, let me tell you something. You know, a a theology book or, man, none of that really marked me. And see, you know what it was? It was the presence of Almighty God that came down on me one day when I was as lost as I could be, and it drew me into the Father's heart. It's his presence. It's his presence. We desire that here. I want you to know that um, I was really shaped and molded with a dependence on the presence of God, and and I have um, obviously the Holy Spirit to thank for that. But um, the guy on the front row right here, Jervis Fisher, I have to thank for that because about 14 years ago we were in Bible college together, and I pulled up. I remember my wife and I had just gone through Hurricane Katrina; we lost our home, and um, that was just a really tough time. I had just gotten out of the the. Coast Guard, and we loaded up a U-Haul, and we're like, man, we're headed to Dallas, Texas to go to Bible College, and, um, and so I pulled up to this campus with a big U-Haul, and the first smiling face I saw was Jervis's face, and he opened the door for me, and it was just so welcoming and warm, and I thought, man, if everybody at this school is like him, we're going to be all right. And just made us really feel welcome, and we hit it off immediately. And then uh, a few weeks went by, and I I got to, we had chapel every day at 8 o'clock before school class started. And it was just a great time of worship, and and I I got a little early one day. And I I walked in the back of the sanctuary and, and the chapel there, and I noticed there was a guy up there praying by himself really loud. And uh, I'm like, man, who is that up there, you know? And so I went up and I noticed it was Jervis. I said, what you doing, man? He said, I just pray and i like to come in here. And, and I said, well, would it be okay for me to join you? He said, sure, be here in the morning at 6 a.m. So I was like, okay. So that began uh, this, this kind of bond that we shared is for two hours before chapel, just about every single day, we would go into the prayer room and we would pursue the presence of God. We would pursue God, not for what he could do for us, but simply for who he is for his goodness and his worth. And, and there was something stirred in my heart. It, it was just this turning in me. And, and I, I gotta tell you, there would be times where God would speak to us in and, and a, and a central theme. And, and man, there was one time, uh, peoples by, by name, that, that we, would, we would begin to pray out over this person in the prayer room. And we would leave and go into chapel. And, and the person that, that, that was directing the chapel that day would begin to say, I feel like the Lord is asking us to pray for this and it would be exactly what came out in that prayer room. And I began to see, like, whoa, the Holy Spirit's, like, real. <laughs> like, he, he speaks, y'all. I can't wait to talk about it next week. And I, and I began to get this this cultivating of the presence of God. And then when we moved uh, our family to to Belize, and and uh, man, it didn't stop. We before we would go, whether it was working, you know, hard in the sun, and or whether it was ministering into a village. Before we started our day, I man, we would go into the prayer room and we would pursue God and we would worship Him and we would just say, God, you're so good, and we want you to go with us, and we just need your presence today. And this is this is the fire that I was raised in, right, in my spiritual journey of just just pursuing the presence of God. And I want to say this. I want to just kind of of take a pause and, and talk about him and his wife for a moment because for the last twelve years they've given themselves on the mission field and he's the hardest worker that I know his wife is the hardest worker that I know and they've gone uh, from from pulling up into uh, you know Central America with a with with a bus and like twenty seven dollars in their pocket and a lot of faith to 12 years later having 50-plus acres, having a learning center, having a massive orphanage, having little tiny homes, which is what they're building now. For those that are uh, the kids that are kind of phasing out, uh, they're, they're, kind of, they're, they're 18, and the government's like, no, they gotta go. And what they found is that, well, when they go, they don't know where to go, and they're ending up homeless and getting into all kinds of stuff. And so they said, we gotta fix this. And so they started building these little tiny houses for those that are phasing out. Let me just tell you something. They're impacting the whole country of Belize and really, and really beyond. And after 12 years, praise God for this, by the way, they have really felt that it's time to come back for a little sabbatical for six months and get refreshed and refocused and, and strengthen their marriage. And how many of you know that's very important? That's very important. And so I want to just say in front of everybody that our church, through our Kingdom Builders Fund, is going to sow into that. We're gonna help. We're gonna, we're gonna sow into you and your wife. And, and we give to the to to the children's home every month. You do that uh, anyway. But this is above and beyond. This is not going there. This is going for you and your wife and your family to get refreshed starting in December, these six months that you're here, and we're gonna be praying for you. And I just want you to know, if you want to sow into that as well, you can do that and just put Jervis on, on your envelope or there's a line item uh, for you to give. I, I, I just can't tell you enough, and I've experienced, it this week with him being here how important it is for leaders to get refreshed and to just get just you know sometimes you, you pour out and you pour out and you pour out and you need somebody to speak in and pour in and just and just refresh and so that's who he is to me so love you thank you so much uh and so here our first core value at Generation Church is we pursue God we pursue God We do it in our staff meetings. We do it during the week. Uh, Every single day, we are pursuing the Lord. And I pray that you do as well, amen? Here's number two. Uh, Not only do we pursue God, but here we love people. And when we say that we love people, we mean that people are always over policy. People are always over policy. Let me explain this to you. In Luke chapter 19, starting in verse number one, there's a story. Uh, of a man named Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I, uh, I was able to speak to, um, at Keswick Christian School, I've done now their pre-K, their elementary, and their middle and high school, and I did pre-K one time, and I talked about Zacchaeus, and uh, I, it took me like 11 minutes for them to quiet down from singing the song, because I realized it's different than youth. With youth, I was a youth pastor for eight, eight years, you ask a lot of questions to keep them engaged. With four-year-olds, you don't ask questions, because if you do, be prepared for an 11-minute answer. And so I just said, how many of you know the song Zacchae- you know Zacchaeus? And all the, it was just an eruption went. I'm like, after like four minutes, I'm like, okay, okay. Like, let's get back to it. Like, that was gonna help. It was like, no, they're just still going crazy. This man named Zacchaeus, and, and it, I wanna show you something that, that God really uh, spoke to me through this text. When we say we love people, here's what we mean. Verse one says, and Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Very interesting right here. I need to stop because you need to know that Jesus did not have plans to go to Zacchaeus' house. He was busy. He was just passing through this place. He had things to do, and he had three years to accomplish a lot. But though he was busy, let's see what happened. It says, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was a wee little man. Verse four, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, and here's where I wanna focus. Remember, Jesus was just passing through. He was just passing through. But he came, and and verse five says, he looked up, and in the New King James, it says this too. And I think in the Greek, this is accurate. It, It says he looked up, and then he saw. He saw Zacchaeus, but, but he was busy, but he had things to do, but there were, there were things to, to be accomplished and, and people to meet and people to heal and all these things and he's like, "I'm passing through here." But he stopped, he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, hurry, come down for him, I stay at your house today." This word for saw him in the Greek means to have regard for, to cherish or to pay attention to wow wow what does that mean for us here's what it means people are not a means to an end people are what's valuable to God and so people are what's valuable to us And may we never stand up here on stage to to put on our performance at the neglect of really caring who's out there, just wanting a lot of who's out there. Does that make sense? We have to see people. We have to see people. That's why when I walk through the lobby after this service, it's going to take me 37 minutes to walk through the lobby. Because if I just walk through and just walk by everybody like I'm the only one that matters, shame on me. And this is what I told our staff. I said, let me illustrate this to you because I went through this with them. I said, listen, this is who we are. And by the way, when we're looking for leaders in this church or we're looking to hire somebody, we hire based on values. So that means it doesn't matter how gifted you are if you don't pursue God is not a good fit. It doesn't matter how, how well you can sing or how gifted you are. If you don't love people, it's not a good fit. So I told him, I said, let me illustrate it. Uh, imagine if, you know, uh, see, right out in front, of the, in front of our door, we've got these nice flowers that we planted, and uh, we think it looks great. Well, the thing is, is that if you park in the field, you've gotta walk, like the door's here, you've gotta walk around the flowers, and then you've gotta start walking up towards the front door, and I said, if if you see see it's it's one of our policies don't walk in the flower like don't step on the flowers that's a good policy right you agree it's great it's a good policy to have i said but if you see a family of five who maybe they're new here or not who cares and and they're walking and they're like yeah don't really feel like walking around guys let's just step right on the flowers and go in the front door and they literally begin to step all up on the flowers to walk to the front door What people over policy says is we will never say, hey, time, oh, what are you doing? I cannot, do you see what you're doing? You just crushed our, we have a policy, no walking on the flowers. And I told our our people, I told our staff, I said, I'll buy more and I'll plant them myself. I don't care about flowers. Now, don't go walk on our flowers, okay? (laughs) But think about it. What you're doing is you're putting a barrier in between. You're putting flowers in between a family encountering Jesus. And we're like, no, everything we do here is to love on people and to create a place where they can see Jesus and where they can know what he's done for them and find freedom for their lives and forgiveness of their sins. I'm not going to let flowers get in the way of that. Are you with me? So here we love people, people over policy. Let me say this. This happens a lot to businesses or churches that grow, that get real big. And what happens is, is they lose their, they lose. See, when you're small, you have an eye for people because you have to. You have to. I, told, I was telling someone the other day, man, when we were 80, 85 people, man, we just knew everybody. You can walk in the door, and some of you, have, you know, are, are with us that were with us back then. You remember that. Everybody, you walk, oh, hey, hey, how you? Oh, yeah, how are the kids? Everybody knows everybody. But see, as you grow and God brings influence, the tendency is, is to begin to focus on the policies and, the, and growing the structure at the neglect of people. And, and, and we would start to see people as just another number. That can't happen here. That can't happen. Are you with me? We've gotta love people, and people always trump policy. So we pursue God, we love people. And here's a third one that we focus on here. And again, this is, if you, if you took our core values, the fruit of it, it's one, and you sliced it open, there's four parts Okay, we're always gonna pursue God. Presence over performance. We're always going to love people, people over policy. And we will always display excellence. This is our third one. What does that mean? We serve here with ownership. We serve with ownership. When we say display excellence, what does that mean? What is excellence? Excellence is stewarding what God has given you. So it's not material value but it's valuing what you have. It's valuing what God's given you. In Matthew 25 and verse 18, there's a story of uh, of the talents. And I think this illustrates that point very well because there's a a parable where the master gives uh, these three three workers these talents and he gives uh, the first guy one and then he gives the second guy two talents and then he gives the third guy five talents and a talent was just a sum of money. And the Bible says that he, uh, those three went away and the one that got one talent, it said that he, he was lazy with it. As a matter of fact, afterward when he came back, he said, you wicked and lazy servant. You did not steward well what I gave you. But the one that was given two and five, they actually, they actually made more with what God had given them. In verse 21, here's what the master says. Because you have been faithful with little, I will entrust you with much. A lot of people want much, but they're not taking care of the little they have. A lot of people are praying for God to bless and do all this stuff, and God's saying, I just wish you'd manage what I gave you. I just, wish you would, I, I just wish you would value what you have, value what you have. And let me say this, you know, a lot of people, you know, come in here and, and they see, man, this is really nice and nice lobby and the big picture on the wall and all this really, you know, furniture. Did you, do you know not that long ago there was a day when there wasn't no nice, comfy furniture in there? And, and, and there wasn't, you know, big, nice pictures everywhere because we didn't have the money for it. But I'll tell you what, what was here was, was managed very well. Uh, my dad, who's sitting on the front row, he taught me this, man, you, 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 you treat what God's given you as, it. I mean, just really, just with honor. And so there were the seats we had in here. And I I always said, I he had, I remember he had this two by four that he cut to like a perfect, a perfect twenty three and a half inches, right? And 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 it was like written like seat spacer. And so I remember him before service on Sundays, and he'd get that seat spacer, and he's walking down, he'd be just putting it in between here, and he's like, Oh, that one needs a couple more inches, and he'd be kicking it like that. And every single seat, he would walk in and just make sure, and just make sure what we do have we treated with excellence. So, so it was clean in there. And we didn't have a whole lot to clean, but what we had was clean, and we valued what we had. I mean, there were years when the outside of this building looked absolutely terrible. Well, we couldn't do anything about it. But we knew, God, when you bless, whatever, we're gonna, t- we're gonna just take care of everything you give us. And little by little by little, we just steward well. We steward well with what God has given to us. So let me say this, be faithful with the little, and he will entrust you with more. I was talking to Jervis the other day, and you were telling me about how you guys have a rule, the last one in the room, turn the light off. And it seems small, but it's it's building something in people. I tell my kids, finish what you start. That's kind of a value in our home. I always tell them, you finish what you start. Like if if I tell you to go take out the trash and you just pull the bag out of the trash and then you walk and then you put the trash in the outside can and then you go and sit on your couch and just start chilling again. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. And some of the wives are already like, oh, let's let's listen right now, right? (laughs) Because what else do you have to do? You've got to get that new bag and you've got to put the new bag in the can. Come on. Then you're finished. Then you're finished. How about this one? You start brushing your teeth, there's a start, right? You started something. When I'm teaching my kids, whatever you start, you <laughs> we finish. So when I walk in their bathroom and I see a puddle of water on the, on the counter and I see a tube of toothpaste with the cap over here, They just know. Hey, get in here. <laughs> and I'll say, "We always finish," and they know what we start. Put the cap back on. It's why we're 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 just we're teaching each other. Let's let's steward well what we have. Treat it with honor. If you come over to my house and, and, and for dinner and you're and we welcome you as a guest in our home and you walk in and it looks like a, a laundry bomb went off in our living room and then you look over in the kitchen and it's like it's like a it's like a you know somebody was building a sculpture of dishes over there and it, and it's just like you know you see crumbs from like four nights ago and like little ants on the counter and you just come in and you're like hey good to see you oh great glad we're here no you're gonna be like what is going on Did they not even value us as guests coming in their home I learned this from my mama who's not here today and I'm telling you anytime we had guests over at our house it was a four-day process to get the house ready to have guests over this is just what how my mom was and I'm not talking about hey let's wipe down the counters I'm talking about the gloves came out the mask I'm talking about y'all don't know what ammonia is Where you, you walk in the bathroom and my mom's cleaning and you're like, ooh, ooh, ah, ah. <laughs> you can't even breathe. Like we need, we need signs up everywhere, like do not enter. Why? My mom, man, she valued, it wasn't like, oh, I just wish I had a bigger house. Oh, I just wish I had a bigger table. Oh, I just wish I had this. Oh, I just, I can't believe I'm having these people over my, and I just, I'm so embarrassed because I, I can't even, I don't even have as many, room. and it's, no, it's like, oh, no, what I do have, you're going to come in here, and it's going to be clean, and you're going to know that we value you. I think this is what the text is saying. Steward well what God has given us. So here at Generation Church, you just need to know. Again, this is vision series, core values, message. I felt it was important for you to know these things because this, these values are what direct our actions here. And so the third one is that we display excellence and we serve here with ownership. We serve with ownership. And what that means is, I love this. A few weeks ago, we had just redone this, some stuff out in the field. And, uh, man, people, y'all were coming in here and and bringing dirt and all kinds of stuff into the lobby. And I'm like, man, there's footprints everywhere. Well, I didn't even have to say anything because I got all these little A-team, you know, here-to-serve shirts just, like, just sweeping and just making sure the trap. I mean, just valuing things around. They serve with ownership. This is what we do here. This is who we are. Amen? And here's the last thing today. The last thing, so number one, we pursue God. That means presence over performance. No matter how big we get, no matter what God does here, presence over performance. Number two, we love people. That means people over policy. Number three, we display excellence. That means we serve with ownership here. We serve with ownership. And here's the last thing, we choose joy. We choose joy, and that means faith over feeling. Faith over feeling. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse three says this to console those who mourn in zion to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness the spirit of heaviness And I thought, wow, that's so interesting. A lot of us carry heaviness from life. And many times it's circumstantial, but sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's spiritual. The the, the weight that you feel may be circumstantial. But let me tell you something. There is a faith. There is faith that, like, you turn the switch on. And what does faith do? Faith begins to operate from what Christ has already accomplished for you. And so remember, I don't feel like doing something today. I don't feel like serving today. I don't feel like preaching today. I don't feel like going to work today. I don't feel like being a Christian today. I don't feel like worshiping today. And oh my goodness, the list just goes on, doesn't it? And we're led by feelings. I don't feel like I love you today. I did a wedding in here with Sonny and Adriana that just got married Friday, praise God. They are up here worshiping today. But one of the things that I exhorted them with is that love is not a feeling. It's a choice. You choose, you choose, you choose. And, and what that means is sometimes you're, you're telling your feelings what to do. you just straight up like, Felix, Get in line. Love God. Why? Because look what he's done for you. God is for me, and who can be against me? Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross 2,000 years ago and spilled his blood so that my sins could be washed away. Past, present, and future. And then he didn't even stop there. He adopted me as my son. And then he filled me with his spirit. And I'm telling you, I get to spend eternity with Jesus. And all of a sudden, my feelings are like, oh, I'm here. I'm praising. Why? I made a choice to choose joy. To choose the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, joy is a choice. And joy is an attitude and I, I I could say it like this, it's it's choosing your attitude. It's deeper than just happiness. It's it's this rooted, seated faith in who God is for you. Man, we we come in here and I I tell our leaders and I say, listen, we have an opportunity to to serve people today. Maybe you woke up tired. I got to get up and go to Generation Church early. I got to serve. No, it's a privilege. And I determine and resolve in myself right now that the joy of the Lord is going to be my strength. And then I just begin to just throw some gratitude to God. God, I just thank you that I get to preach three times today. Seriously. Everybody's like, oh, you're so, ah, it's a privilege. And, and sometimes I feel the pressure, but pressure is a privilege. I make a decision and I say, God, I'm choosing joy today. And I thank you that every time I step up here, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And oh, it's not just on Sundays that I get to do that. Monday I get up and I say, God, I love you. I know I feel a certain way, but you're good. And that never changes. And we choose joy, faith over feeling. There's one person in scripture that had every right to be frustrated. His name was Paul. And sometimes I get fr- I get irritated with Paul. I'm just being honest with you guys. He got 39 lashes five times. So the 39 lashes that Jesus got once, Paul got them five times. He got, he, he was stoned. He was shipwrecked and then, and then bit by a snake. He was beaten with rods. He, he, got, he got put in prison for telling people about Jesus. And then midnight came and he's chained to a wall. And he's just like, oh, what a great time to sing. What did he do right there? He chose joy. It didn't matter how he felt. He was like, no, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It doesn't matter my situation. And in this moment, I choose to posture myself before God and honor, and the joy of the Lord is gonna be my strength. So will you be led by your feelings or allow your faith to lead you to every day choose joy? Wake up, place your faith in what Jesus did for you. Understand that what we value is His presence. So we love, we pursue God. And I pray this for you and for your family. Is what I'm gonna pray as we close today, that you and your family would value his presence, that you would pursue him every day, that you would love people and that people wouldn't just walk by you, but you would stop you would look up and you would see them and listen to them. People over policy, that you display excellence, that you honor what God has given you, serve with ownership. And then lastly, we choose joy, which is faith over feeling every day of our life, faith over feeling. Joy the Lord is my strength. Joy of the Lord is my strength. And that's who we are, church. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your grace and your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for moving in our hearts. Thank you that you're a miracle worker, you're a promise keeper. Thank you, God, you're a light in the darkness. We worship you for who you are, not just what you do, but for who you are, for your namesake, for your glory, God, we say yes to whatever you put in front of us, but we ask that you would come with your presence, Lord. Come and stir every heart in this room. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would there be one in this room that says, man, I'm, maybe somebody invited me here today, and I know there's many watching online. Someone invited you, or maybe you've just been playing the church game. Let me tell you something don't walk out of here without knowing that you know that you know that you know that you have a real personal relationship with Jesus, who's going to offer you forgiveness of all of your sins. If you say, man, that's me. I'm ready, Pastor. Would you pray for me? Would you look up at me and just wave your hand at me? Anyone at all in this room? Amen. I see it. Maybe those watching online, we're going to pray this together. And what what an amazing thing, church, that we get to take part. Listen, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner turns to the Lord. Man, Let us rejoice with heaven. And I want us to pray this together. And if you're watching online, would you please, no matter where you are, would you pray with me To Whether you're saved or not, if you've already given your life to Jesus, man, just say it again and just, just rejoice for, for the salvation that you already have. So let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross, but on the third day, we're raised from the dead. And you're alive today. Forgive me of all my sins. Fill me with your spirit. I give my life to you. Make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said amen and amen. Let's give praise for those who said yes to Jesus. You guys stand with me. You guys stand.